After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. So, hey, welcome RCM Pod listeners as well as Legal Cut Pro listeners. Very exciting little crossover episode here so both listener bases can kind of get an idea of what we do. We are excellent companion podcasts as well as companion friends. I'm Becky Shrimpton. I'm coming from Toronto. Who else is here? Well, this is Greg Pang coming from Edmonton. And Michelle Molyneux also in Edmonton. Fantastic. We love our wintry, blustery friends. Uh, Cameron Maitland, for those of you who do not know, is also my regular co-host on the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Uh, He is unavailable right now because he also does very fancy things for the Hollywood Suite channel and network. And uh, he is currently at the Indie Spirit Awards doing red carpet interviews over there asking people fancy questions. So I know it's awesome. So if you want to get a a good idea of kind of what he does, you can go check him out on Hollywood Suite. I always plug it because he asks like these fantastic questions of like the deep cut directors and they're always just so delighted so i always got to plug his stuff it's great <laughs> Ooh, that's fantastic awesome. oh yeah yeah it's awesome but let's let's start with you guys so tell uh, tell my listeners a little bit about what legal cut pro is and what you guys do legal cut pro is a canadian entertainment law podcast so we concentrate what that means is that we i suppose we pick, pick topics and certain legal issues that could be relevant and interesting for canadian independent filmmakers and not just Canadian independent filmmakers, but uh, perhaps other independent filmmakers. But of course, our since we are lawyers in Canada, our, the most of the limit of our legal knowledge and expertise is contained to Canadian law. But in the end, it is something where we hope we want to bring value to the film community and educate them a little bit about the legal issues that you could possibly encounter while making a film. Now, on your guys' show, you guys usually pick like a case study of the week and you're not giving legal advice, but you are saying, hey, this is something around the situation you might want to be aware of. Uh, Some of the examples you used are American, some are Canadian. What's sort of the difference between the two and what are Canadian listeners going to get out of it? How we choose the topics, and this is something that we plan, of course, ahead of time, is uh, we we try to find a topic and not necessarily necessarily a, a court decision, but uh, a general topic such as music, which we did three parts on, or uh, like some kind of a- other area of copyright. And we delve into it a little bit and we do our own research and pick out certain examples and sometimes court decisions. I don't think we do much with court decisions, but we use sometimes as examples and we pull out the legal issues that could be interesting for our listeners. and. Take a little bit of a, not not too deep of a legal analysis, but a little bit of a legal analysis into them and to demonstrate what maybe some of the pitfalls and one of the th- some of the things that you want to maybe look out for as you are going through the, the production process or uh, something uh, related to film production. As to the second part of your question about the differences between Canadian and American uh, case studies or examples, there are differences in the law like our law with copyright is there are differences although they are similar to the american copyright law there are some differences so there are and and we will point that out and the examples that we pick because we pick american some american examples is because there are just more examples out there coming from the united states (laughs) like you know more there's more litigation out there there's 
uh, more film activity generally out there that it makes the news and and could um, provide some illustration at the very least that would illustrate the the topic at hand that we're talking about. Now, Michelle, how do you interact with Greg on the show? You guys co-host this. Greg has been an amazing mentor to me, so I'm learning a lot as we go. And um, I've been learning from my background as a lawyer, so I'm, I'm still a bit of a baby lawyer. So I learn a lot from Greg. And then I'm also a producer. So sometimes there are things that kind of I'm also learning as a, a film producer that um, allow me to really kind of dig in and learn a lot more about different subject areas. Now, why would those subject areas matter to people who are like, I just want to get some friends together and make a movie. We're going to make a million dollars by getting into Sundance the first year. Like, why uh, Why would they want to listen to your podcast? Why is your information important for people? Greg, did you want to take this one? Sure, I'll take it. And I'll take it as a, a sort of a tie into our next episode that we'll be recording right away about drone law. And because the use of drones is so prevalent nowadays that a lot of filmmakers w- will be using drones to catch to capture that kind of aerial footage. And one of the illustrations that or examples that we are going to talk about, uh, which has gotten some media attention, is about that drone pilot who flew his drone to him, right, uh, Michelle? Yes. Uh, the, the pilot, yes. Mm-hmm. He flew his drone over the crowd during the Raptors, the, the championship win, at, at, where was it again? It was at uh, Nathan Phillips Square? Yes. And he did it contrary to Transport Canada's regulations. So this is important because if you are going to engage in certain activity for your film, to get footage for your film, and if something like that includes like flying a drone, you need to be aware of the regulations out there as set by Transport Canada so you don't incur liability and you know, pay money and potentially uh, be exposed to other types of liability and fines and et cetera, et cetera, by engaging in those kinds of activities. So it's to help you, if not to lawyer yourself, of course, it's to at least inform you of this issue and know when to seek legal advice before you get into trouble. Something else that's very interesting for me too as I'm developing my own projects is understanding the concept of fair use, which we also have this understanding of what American fair use is because they had the Larry Flint trial and all that of like, yeah, we can make fun of Jerry Falwell all we like. Canada didn't have that trial. And so our fair use laws are different from what I understand from what the Americans have. So often Canadians will make assumptions of like, oh yeah, we can do this because the Americans can do this. But uh, that is not always the case. Yeah, and that is quite correct. And I uh, I get that question quite often about fair use. You know, what are the differences between fair use and in Canada we call it fair dealing, but it's the analogous concept. And one of the biggest differences uh, that uh, we have is that fair dealing in Canada is not as has not been as litigated as in there hasn't been as many court decisions to help us interpret what these provisions of fair dealing mean, as opposed in the U.S. They have a much larger history. For example, when you're talking about fair use in the realm of parity, we have that similar defense under fair dealing of parity, but it's not very well litigated. There is some case law, but we don't have as much guidance, right? So where in some areas of fair use, an American lawyer might be more confident in stating his or her opinion that, yes, we can 
not slot this necessarily a slot this under fair use, but we're confident that this is outright or this is very defensible under fair use, and therefore we think that the although it may attract a claim that their claim would have absolutely no merit, and we can sign on off on this uh, because it's you know because it's fair use of that content. Whereas in Canada, it might not be something that we can as easily as lawyers rely on because we don't have that kind of case law history uh, around certain subject areas uh, under fair dealing. Well, Michelle, let me ask you this as a producer. What sort of pitfalls have you personally been able to avoid uh, and manage having at least a cursory knowledge of the of the law? I think it's been really helpful. Um, it just I read contracts a little bit more thoroughly or paying attention to them a little bit more. And I think there are definitely things kind of I can catch that could have become a problem. But then thankfully, I've been able to flag them and realize, okay, maybe maybe I should seek some advice from Greg on this before I continue. Can you legally like give an example without using names of like, hey, this is something that's common in contracts that someone might think, oh, this is going to this is totally fine. And it's like, no, you're actually signing your rights away. Um, One example actually is uh, we had um, a series this summer on music licensing. And that was one that was really interesting is like using a lot of different sources of footage and realizing that a lot of the standard licenses that websites offer maybe don't actually cover everything that you actually need them to cover. So kind of really looking into what what actually are you licensing and is everything covered that you need? Something I really love about your guys' show as well is you've got a great back and forth and a great rapport, but you tend to take a humorous view. I mean, you're talking about very serious subjects, but you take a humorous view of like, hey, so this guy did this wasn't the brightest, but let's explain why perhaps it wasn't the <laughs> brightest. Um, I really appreciate that you guys take like a funny view as opposed to like, this is bad, don't do this. Um, w- how did you kind of develop that back and forth rapport? And uh, and why did you decide to take that approach as opposed to the straight dry narrative? If we made law boring, <laughs> no one would listen. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's part of it. <laughs> well, Becky, me and Michelle don't know each other too well. <laughs> We, uh, I think we, when we first started this, or at least when we first started this podcast, we didn't know each other too well. Though that kind of back and forth rapport was, uh, was a work in progress for a long time, right, Michelle? And like as we got to know each other better, because uh, we come from fairly different backgrounds, even though we we are both uh, lawyers. But our backgrounds and experiences are very different. But I found Michelle, and I still find Michelle, of course, very easy to work with. And that that rapport developed quite organically. And I as got to know Michelle's sense of humor and her her tolerance for, in my particular brand of humor, then I, I knew at least it, it got more comfortable for me to uh, be able to navigate these kinds of topics with her and to produce content for users that are not, uh, you know, in, in when we're talking about law, it could be very dry, right? So it's, it's not very dry and it's entertaining, hopefully entertaining at the same time. And if even if people find it funny, then that's great. Well, I think we all love a good story about someone who's made a terrible mistake and how we can avoid that ourselves, especially as filmmakers, producers, actors, even as they're looking at contracts and, and working with, uh, with different people, uh, non-union, union, understanding all of the rules and regulations, very important. So I really love your guys' podcast. How do people find you? you guys. Michelle? 
I'll take this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Instagram. We're at Legal Cut Pro. And I believe we're on all of the regular streaming podcast places. <laughs> I don't know the fancy words for that, Greg. Yeah, exactly. You know, Google, uh, Google Play, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those places, the Stitcher as well, I think. So, yeah, uh, that, that, I think that sums up where to find us, right? Yeah. Greg. Greg takes care of our tech stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> you show up, you you respond, you're doing the, the good work, Michelle. We appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's turn the tables a little bit, Becky. Let's talk, uh, tell us a, a more about the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. All right. I know when we in initially uh, found you, I thought it was the most interesting name first, you know, RCMP being the, the acronym for Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes before, and I think the first one uh, when I found out about you guys was, oh, why do I not remember her name? But, was it Sandy uh, Summers? She, Sandy Summers, yes. right. Yeah, because she worked on a show that, that I worked on as well, and I thought, I have to listen to this. And you're a fantastic interviewer, and I, and, I, and I love the content that you produce, and I've listened to other episodes since. So tell us a little bit more about the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, please. Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Greg. Uh, so the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, or RCM Pod, as we call it, we are basically dedicated to creating a primer of the best of the best of Canadian film. So we're there to tell you about the best films and the stories about those films. So every week, we invite industry guests on to either pick their favorite Canadian film or something that really inspired them, or they can pick something that they were a part of that was a major part of film history. So, for example, Jane Eastwood came on and she talked about going down the road. Uh, Don Carmody, who is an Emmy-winning producer, he talked about two films. He talked about one called Coming Home, as well as uh, Polytechnique, which is one of Denis Villeneuve's first films. Both of those are incredible. But that man has been doing stuff since the early 70s in the days of, like, Cinepix. He's worked with David, David Cronenberg on all of his early stuff. Stuff. He did the squibs on uh, Rabid, so he's got great stories about squibbing up Marilyn Chambers. He came on and talked about those things. Uh, we have uh, Kevin Sullivan talking about uh, Anna Green Gables and his work. Um, so really it is a little bit about what is Canadian film, what's the good stuff, and how do you, how do you find it? Because we're so inundated by American content, and often, I don't know about you guys, but I think we're traumatized by Canadian film in school, because they make us watch. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the stuff that is straight up bad. It's terrible. And when you think of Canadian film, you're like, oh, you know, it's Joshua Jackson riding his motorcycle across Canada in one week. That film blows. It's uh, it's Paul Gross talking about, um, you know, the curling team and they're going to do a whole thing and Men with Brooms has its moments, definitely, but not a great film. <laughs> Canada has some <laughs> unbelievable stuff. It's weird and it's fun and it's harrowing and it's like nobody else is making and it gets buried. And some of it is accessible because the Americans pick it up or the Europeans pick it up and they hold it up as like this big bastion of like, look, this is the best thing this year. And then we acknowledge it. But there's so much stuff that we just don't. And so we've been doing this since 2016. And I'm still finding these little treasures of like, oh, that's here. Oh, this was a thing that was uh, one of the best movies I saw this year. And it's Canadian. Um, and People don't often want to do the work. We want to turn on Netflix. We want to watch that one film that pops up. It's in our algorithms. We don't search. So we're doing the searching for you. We tell you how to find them. We tell you how to rent them. You t we tell you what they are. If you like blank, you're going to love this. So that's kind of what we're doing is we're doing the work for you. Go watch some Canadian film, you lazy bums. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love <laughs> 
How do you find your guests, uh, Becky? Honestly, both Cam and I work in the film and television industry. So I said earlier, Cam uh, works as a film and content specialist at Hollywood Suite. He is also one of the nicest, most social men you will meet in your life. So he knows a lot of um, Canadian, in specifically Toronto. Both he and I are originally from Edmonton. We lived in Vancouver for a significant amount of time, and now we're here. I'm an actor, specifically in voice, but I've done theater, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so we have good industry connections, little feelers. Um, so we started out just having a bunch of our really interesting, weird friends on, uh, art and set decorators. We had one of the set decorators from Nurse 3D on, and she had some amazing behind the scenes for that movie. Um, that movie, totally worth your time. It's great. I know it's like Nurse 3D. What? Yeah, worth your time. And the set decorator had great stories from it. Paz de la Huerta, killer nurse. It's bizarre and fun. Uh, there's one of the little treasures you're going to find. But uh, yeah, so so that sort of happened. And then we started getting noticed by people who were like, hey, you're talking about Canadian movies. Oh, we have this thing. Have you talked to this person yet? Have you talked to this person yet? And then the ball just started to roll because nobody else is doing this. No one's talking to these people. No one's getting these stories. And a lot of our, like our first generation of like, like Canadian film really, really started in the 70s. And a lot of these people are not going to be around much longer, to be totally honest. And these stories are not recorded anywhere else. So that's been a big push that we've had this year to get people like Jane Eastwood, to get people like Gordon Pinsett on, to talk about these things, which are very much a part of our history and our heritage. And they're great freaking stories. These people are hilarious and a lot of fun. That's awesome. Becky, I have to ask, how did you guys come up with the podcast name? It's so awesome. <laughs> that was Cam. Cam is uh, not as much of a punster as I am, but uh, he was like, oh yeah, we just call it the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, RCM Pod. Like, it was literally that simple. I was like, yes, that's what we call it. <laughs> that, was, that was about it. So yeah, he's he's very clever because it's one of those, like, there is another Canadian film podcast. Um, they, they actually are just called the Canadian Film Podcast, and they deal a little more with, like, this is a film festival that's happening that's doing this thing. Uh, there's another podcast about Canadian film called Filmed in Canada, which doesn't have the strict specifications we have. It just is a film that is made in Canada or filmed in Canada. We go by the Canadian Screen Awards uh, ruling of what a Canadian film is. So they need to have at least partial funding of Canadian film um, and be eligible for the Canadian Screen Awards. And then you can come be on our show with that. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Becky, when I hear you talk and I hear you talk on the podcast, I hear you talk now about Canadian film. It's very obvious how passionate you are about the Canadian film industry and the the guests you have on your show. Uh, my, my question is, where, where does the uh, and you 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 gave me uh, gave us some reasoning about wh why you're doing the podcast. But I'm wondering where does the the, the passion for the Canadian fi Canadian films in particular come from? Uh, okay, so righteous indignation is actually the answer for that. Um, so I'll be honest, I was training in England, and I was training with um, a number of Americans from very high-end institutions. I'm not going to name any names because I'm not that kind of person. And uh, we were training with one particular teacher from a very high-end institution in the States. And uh, we, myself and one other Canadian who are part of the program said, oh yeah, we're from Canada and this is what we want to do. And she was like, well, Canada doesn't do arts. You're going to have to move to the States and you're going to have to do this. And we got so angry and we were trying to like rack our brains of like, well, Canada's got good stuff. What do we got? And we couldn't think of anything. And that broke my heart because I was like, I know we have good stuff. Where is it? And why don't I know about it? I'm in the freaking arts. If anyone should know about this, I should. 
And that's what, when Cam and I decided we wanted to do a podcast together, because we're good buddies, we were like, well, why don't we do this? Because literally no one else is doing this, and that's a travesty. And like I said earlier, we are so under attack, straight up attack, by American media um, influencing us. And there's so much good stuff and so many careers, and we have such a massive artistic brain drain. It's heartbreaking how many Mm -hmm. artists we're losing in every medium. I mean, podcasting, they just picked up Connie Walker for Gimlet. Um, You know, we lost Jonathan Gold. Goldstein to Gimlet as well. So these incredible Canadian artists we're losing because we don't have the funding, we don't have the audiences, we don't have that network of like, we make good stuff, let's talk about it. So that's really where that came from. Wow. Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, I was just going to say that's amazing. That's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah, just find shit. Like that's, I'm sorry, I swear, but like that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's there, you just have to do the work and now we're doing the work for you. And I find that really uh, inspiring as well, Becky, because I remember way back and I'm, I'm pulling taking myself way back to when I was an undergrad and we had a business uh, a business of film course or something like that and there's an economic argument for funding Canadian film and a lot of my fellow business students not not to disparage business students but a lot of my fellow students said that why are we funding Canadian film no one watches them and that's the con- that's one of the common arguments. Like, why are you even trying? No one watches them. And you says like, especially in th- this kind of day and age, where you can turn on something like Netflix and access a massive library of American content or, and, and other content around the world right at your fingertips without you know having having to even try, right? Because their algorithm just tells you what you want you, you should watch. And the, the economic argument is that there are Canadian stories that need that should be told, and we should. it's part of our cultural fabric that we should engage in telling these stories unfortunately the the free market does doesn't allow for there there are more lucrative places to place your money especially if you're talking about entertainment you know your your money goes more towards the the american film and there we bring back to bring us back to okay why are we funding canadian films and i find that your your passion for you know Canadian films, Canadian television, it, it's just it, it's really uplifting because there's it shows that there are people out there in the thick of all, all the uh, using your words that we're under attack by constantly by Canadian uh, American media that we are still getting those stories out and there's p- still people out there who care a lot about it and hopefully the powers that be you know at the government level and and other levels that continue to fund. Canadian film and people who put together content like yourself about Canadian film. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about number one, screw the free market, because that's not what it's about. (laughs) That's never what art has been about. It's what people and producers want to make it about, but that's not what it is. Um, Sorry, this is like my big point of like passion. Um, (laughs) What it is about is innovative new ways of telling stories that matter and that are important. Uh, I just had the great fortune of going and experiencing the National Film Board's new VR project, Book of Distance, by our Randall Akita. I cried in the VR helmet. Like, I, I can only begin to explain. I needed, like, 20... I was doing a, a interview thing with them, and I needed 25 minutes after I had experienced it just to calm down and chill. I'd never done VR before, but, like, from my understanding, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, be underwater, and it's going to be magic. What Randall has decided to do with this technology, with the help of the funded National Film Board, he was able to take four years to develop this project. He's telling his grandfather's story through virtual reality, whereas grandfather was an immigrant from Japan, built this incredible farm uh, in BC, and four years later was rounded up and put in a concentration camp during World War II and 
lost absolutely everything and then had to build everything up again. And you follow his grandfather as an immigrant. You actually like hand your passport over. You have to enter Canada and do all that. Um, You see, I don't want to give too much away because it's an incredible experience and it's going to be available on Steam for people who have access to that technology. It, It was just like a transformative way that I've never seen stories told before. And because of that investment in four years of funding, this man could make something that was so stunning and his team could make something that was stunning and empathetic and a way of storytelling I've never seen before that is going to influence so many other ways. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I like the comment there. Screw the uh, screw the free, free market. Yeah, right? I, I have no patience <laughs> yeah. for it when it comes to the arts. There are certain films, you know, when you're making certain kinds of films like Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you do have to take in like the broadest scope of people are going to enjoy this. That's not what all of film is for. Film is not disposable, nor should it be disposable. The arts are not disposable and they're becoming so and that's concerning. So how do you fix that? You make sure you you have that continuous investment um, of time, of effort, of marketing, of money in voices which are not of the norm and are not local or not uh, group sourced or crowdsourced. That's awesome. (laughs) Love that. And so Becky, how often do you guys release episodes? Uh, we are weekly. Uh, every now and then, my brain needs a break, or we take up that we take the holidays off. But uh, I think we've maybe in three years missed three weeks. Maybe once was a bad oyster insta- incident, but in general, um, both Cam and I are incredibly busy. So we actually we back record a whole bunch of episodes. So sometimes it'll be like we're talking about it's winter, and now it's like March. Um, so that will happen sometimes, but on a large and general scale, it's every week. Can you tell us about the oyster incidents? Oh no, no, no! I just had a bad oyster, and so we couldn't record the podcast, and we couldn't get it out. It was it was chaotic, and my friend is directly responsible. So, but I'm not going to name names. It's fine. So, so as in you ate a bad oyster and was very ill. That is correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so it was so it was impossible to uh, to record. Unfortunately, that's like the one time I was like pulling the shoot, guys, pulling the shoot. So yeah, that's like one of the times we missed recording an episode was because of an oyster. Okay, perfect. I just need to clarify there because I didn't know if a uh, bad oyster incident was a code for some other kind of kind of uh, thing. But but okay, it was just you ate a, an oyster that had gone bad. That perfect. is correct. Yes. <laughs> All right, Becky, where can people find the RCM pod? All right, you're going to find us as per usual on all of the regular streaming sources. iTunes is the big one for us. We're just about to make the leap to Spotify as soon as I figure out how to like get all the licensing stuff in order. Um, But uh, yeah, that's all happening there. You can check us out on Twitter for when our new episodes are coming out. Uh, We, our guests have so much variety in them. So one week we'll be talking about like a Cinepix maple syrup porn. And the next thing we're talking about is like an Academy Award. (laughs) nominated film with the actual person who is who created it who's nominated I get to do that later today you're gonna be able to hear that episode very soon um so like there really is like a big difference in the content that we're producing it's all Canadian film but some episodes are not going to be for everybody right like Nurse 3D not everybody's going to be interested in that but you may be interested in listening to our Alanisa Bomsawin uh talking about her work as like one of the most legendary documentarians uh in Canadian history so you are going to get a little bit of everything so that's perfect Becky, thank you very much. I, I know when we connected first, it was a cold call, and uh, we very much appreciate that we, we're, you're doing this with us, this joint interview. And the more we can reach listeners and re- across promote our, our podcast, and uh, the more, 
more hopefully that we uh, you know that this will we will um keeping Canadian film relevant to to a, a broad audience. Exactly. Thank you so much Greg and Michelle and if I can just quickly shout out if people want to know a little bit more about the state of Canadian film and what's happening there's a fantastic documentary coming out uh, I believe in the next month called Mayor of Comedy about what has happened to Canadian um comedians and why so many of them do a mass exodus. It's got some of your favorite comedians in it. Scott Thompson is in it. Like oh, I think most of the kids in the hall are in it. Um, if they're a famous oh. Canadian comedian, they're in it, and they're talking about why they haven't been able to work in Canada. It is so worth your time. Mayor of Comedy, can't recommend it enough. Ooh, we'll check it we'll out. Have to check that out, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank, thank you, guys. This was such a pleasure. I'm excited for both of our listeners to learn something new. Thank you as well, Becky. Take this care. This is awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.